If you have money in the stock market, there's no telling whether you'll come out ahead today or suffer some losses. Same thing at work. You might gain ground or you could lose ground with regard to your career. Your health could improve or you could suffer a setback. But what about your existence as a whole? Take the whole big picture. Is there a way to guarantee that you will come out ahead today overall? Yes, there is. Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Most of us hear a sermon like this, and we're so prideful that while we're listening to the sermon, we're taking all these notes and everything, the whole time we're thinking about who needs to hear this sermon, Right? I mean, I won't even ask for a show of hands. How many of you were thinking about that just now? Oh, I hope my husband's listening to this. I hope my wife's getting this. Oh, Holy Spirit, let her get it. Holy Spirit's like, I want you to get it. I remember when Josiah was a little toddler, he would uh, take some other kid's toy away. And when we corrected him, he would say, I thought you said sharing was good. I'm helping him share. And he would always say that. Every time we said anything to him about sharing, he'd, he could only hear it from the perspective of the other kid. And, and, and we laugh at that, but aren't we the same way? You know, we hear a sermon like this, we're listening intently, taking notes, all that, and you look over and your husband's helping the kids or he's, doing, he's out in the hallway or something, and you're just like, oh, great. The whole time Daryl's talking about that principle of put others first, my spouse didn't get it, and I did. That's the worst. Right? That's the worst. I get all this teaching about letting go of selfishness and letting, putting other people's needs first. My spouse misses it. Now, the rest of my life, I'm doomed to be a doormat. I have to be selfless and giving and caring about his needs. He's going to go on being selfish. He's going to think life is great, and I get to be miserable the rest of my life. If that's how you feel, you're missing the point. <clears throat> selfishness, is, or, selfishness is bad for you. Selflessness is good for you. Humility is good for you. Why? Because God blesses selfless, humble people and He punishes proud, selfish people. I mean, you just read verses 5 to 11 in Philippians 2. You'll see it. Jesus became a doormat. God exalted Him to the highest place. That's how it works. How many different times do you see in Scripture over and over when it says, those who exalt themselves, God will humble them, and those who humble themselves, God will exalt them. It's just over and over. Not only that, but the greatest joy in life comes not from being people being considerate towards you. It comes from you being considerate towards them. That's where you'll have the greatest joy. That's what will make you happiest. Loving causes more joy than being loved. Acts 20.35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. If you hear this whole sermon and your spouse doesn't, you're the one who comes out ahead, they are the ones that miss out. And not only does it work out better for you personally, but it works out better for the body, which works out better for you because you're part of the body, right? So that's to your advantage. What, what, just think of a physical body. What does your physical body do when one part isn't pulling its weight? You sprain your ankle. What does the rest of the body do? You, you sprain your ankle, it becomes non-functional. What does the rest of your 
body do? Put more weight on that thing? No, no, just the opposite. Less weight, right? You limp. What is limping? What is limping? Limping is when all the other parts of the body take on an extra burden to take the load off of the dysfunctional part to give it a chance to heal, right? That's limping. That's what what you're doing. If our physical bodies behaved like the body of Christ often does, then when you sprained your ankle, the rest of the body would retaliate against the ankle. Right? How effective would you be in life if your physical body started up a civil war in itself? If someone in the body is dysfunctional and you step in to take the extra load and make it easier for that person to repent and be restored, you're doing yourself a favor because you're part of the body. If I'm the left foot and I get into a conflict with the right foot and I manage to win, I defeat it. Have I won? No, I've lost because now the body's going nowhere thanks to me. See, if we're all part of the same body, what happens to you happens to me. That's the argument that Paul uses in Ephesians 5 for married couples, remember? for, For husbands. He says to husbands, look, your wife is now part of your body. If something good happens to her, that means something good happened to you. If something bad happens to her, that means something bad happened to you. If she suffers a loss, you suffered a loss. And so you should be nice to your wife, if for no other reason than for self-interest. Nobody in his right mind fights against his own body. So we need to be joined at the heart with one another in the church. Doctrinal unity, philosophical unity, very important, very important. But they will get us nowhere unless we have relational unity. Because when you start liking someone uh, or disliking someone, it's amazing how every other aspect of unity will fall apart. You can be like this doctrinally. You start disliking them, you're going to find differences. When there's anger or bitterness or resentment in a relationship, you will find a way to disagree. There was a church in Dallas that became so divided, the denominational officials researched the whole thing, and they eventually gave all of the property and the building to one of the factions. And predictably, the other factions split off and formed their own church nearby. And uh, during the whole investigation by the denomination, when that was all going on, the officials managed to trace the dispute back to its original source. It turned out the whole dispute began at a church dinner when an elder was served a smaller portion of ham than the kid sitting next to him was served. We hear about church splits over a piece of ham, and we think it's the most ridiculous thing we've ever heard in our life, but... It's really not that far off from things that routinely take place in every church, including this one. Because when I told you the story about the ham guy, um, you probably thought, oh, gee whiz, I can't, I can't imagine anybody responding that way. But if you, it's probably because you picture yourself sitting there at the table being served ham by someone you love. And, and you're just like, wow, how could... If it's someone you love and they give you a small piece, it doesn't even matter. But what if it was someone you were at odds with? If someone slighted you and they insulted you and they've been being mean to you and that's been going on for months and they won't talk to you and it's without resolution and you have some bitterness in your heart, you get some resentment in your heart towards that someone, then they can do something very, very minor 
even like the way that something is served in a meal, and it really hurts you because it's not just that one little thing. It's everything they've done for the last six months. See? Disunity doesn't come mainly from differences of opinion. Differences, uh, division and dissension and factions and unreconciled broken relationships in the church come from selfishness and pride. That's where they come. That's that's the the, the flesh. Uh, Galatians 5.19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and factions. See, where you have dissensions and factions and pride, you're going to see anger and hatred and jealousy because that's what causes all the discord and dissensions and factions. But humility can heal all of that. We can heal all of that. What do we, how do we get people from all this diverse background all together as one? One word. Humility. That'll do it. It'll bring a oneness that is so pleasing to our Lord Jesus Christ because he died to purchase that oneness in his church. And he appeals to his own love for us to persuade us to humble ourselves and love one another. Let's pray. Make it so, Lord. Give us humility. Teach us to go low and to just let go of this pride that does us no good. There's no rational reason for us to hang on to it. Oh, Lord, give us the strength to let go of it for your sake. We pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Most people understand that selflessness is a virtue. Even people in the world will see a person who gives up his own pursuits to benefit others and say, that's admirable. We all know selflessness is good, but what not as many people know is that it's not only good, it's also gain. Most people, when they give up something for someone else, they experience that as a loss. They'll do it once in a while, but not too often. Definitely not as a lifestyle, because you can only take so much loss before you've lost everything. But what this passage and so many other passages in Scripture teach us is that not only is it not a loss, it's a gain. When you humble yourself and become someone's servant, you come out ahead. You make an overall profit, not a financial profit, but profit and a much greater asset than money. You receive rewards that you will enjoy forever. You receive God's favor, his smile on your life, which is priceless. When you give up something, your time, your energy, your money, anything of value, in order to serve someone out of love, you are acting like Jesus Christ. And there are countless rewards and benefits that come to you whenever you act like God. That's when you will be most fulfilled as a human being. It's the path to the greatest happiness in life. The rewards of, the humble, of humble servanthood are priceless. Pay attention to the normal ways that you serve people today. Maybe serving your family by going to work and providing for them or by doing housework. Give some extra thought to how that serving is gain and not loss. Think about ways you're coming out ahead when you do that service with the right attitude and motivation. 
Father, give me the faith I need to be more motivated by your promises of reward. Give me the ability to really believe all the beatitudes in your word. Give me faith to believe that blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Help me believe that if I do that, you will make me like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever I do will prosper. Give me the faith to believe that blessed is the man who takes refuge in you, so that I will taste and see that you are good. Help me believe that blessed is the man who makes you his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Help me believe that if I'm generous and lend freely because I trust in your provision, then my children will be blessed. Help me trust that blessed is he who has regard for the weak because you will deliver him in times of trouble. Give me the faith to believe that blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. Give me faith to believe that those who dwell in your house, they are ever praising you and are blessed. Give me faith to believe that those whose strength is in you are blessed, and that those who have learned to acclaim you and walk in the light of your presence are blessed, and that the man you discipline and teach from your law is blessed, and that those who maintain justice and persevere in doing what is right are blessed, and that those who fear you and find great delight in your commands are blessed, and that those whose ways are blameless and who walk according to your word and seek you with all their heart are blessed. Father, give me faith to really believe that the poor in spirit are blessed because theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and that those who mourn are blessed because they will be comforted, and that the meek are blessed because they will inherit the earth. And that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed because they will be filled. And that the merciful are blessed because they will be shown mercy. And that the pure in heart are blessed because they will see you. And that the peacemakers are blessed because you call them sons. And that those who are persecuted because of righteousness are blessed because theirs is your kingdom. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.